1: what's up how's it going welcome back to spin rate my name is drew and yes this is the athletics blue jays podcast talking about i don't know everything related to the blue jays and on the field and off let's let's go with that Still working on the patter here, and I'm working on the patter with the co-host. You read her every day, every day in The Athletic, and I'm excited to introduce her again today. Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you?
2: I'm great. Doing well. Soaking in the sights and sounds of spring training, Zoom calls, game day, little sounds. My game day freezing my entire computer. Just love it.
1: (laughs) It is, it is, there's nothing quite like the the magical sounds and 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 sights and smells of spring, like a manager wandering onto the field and just saying, we're going to roll the inning, and then everyone just sort of turns and walks to the dugout, and teams just deciding in the middle of the sixth inning that they don't want to play anymore, and then they just send everybody home. It is a very weird and unusual spring training, but that doesn't mean we're not going to cover it Closely, we're going to talk about all the things that we can talk about that does, we're still not lacking for storylines around the Blue Jays and and the other teams around baseball. And that's why this week we're excited to have for a, as a guest, you read him on the Athletic, especially if you're a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies. Matt Gelb is going to join us. We're going to talk about Dunedin. We're going to talk about the Phillies. We're going to talk about the Blue Jays. We're going to have we had a nice time. We already recorded that part, but it was great. But before we do get into what we're going to talk about this week. Caitlin and I, I of course want to encourage and remind you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. If you do, you can do it on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on uh, Overcast, and Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. You can get this show there. And if you also want to read Caitlin, and want to read Matt, want to read Fantasy Take, or you want to read Eno Saris talking about spins and and listen and all the things that that Eno does, breaking down the the nuts and bolts of the game. I cannot highly recommend enough. You go to theathletic.com slash spinrate where you can sign up for a whole year. You can get a tidy little discount. And plus, it lets them know that you're listening to us, them being the bosses. And they like to know the people that are listening and they like to know the people that are subscribing. So I think you should go there if you haven't already done that. Subscribe to the podcast and have yourself a nice spring. You know what? You might be able to, you might want to, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, because you don't have anything else to put in your ears. Because the Blue Jays do not have a radio broadcast in 2021, which is really dumb. Uh, It's a very peculiar choice. Uh, Rogers announced that they are going to simulcast the baseball, or sorry, the television broadcast booth, which will feature at times Dan Shulman, Pat pat tabler and buck martinez which uh can at times be a great booth uh, but dan Schulman called i believe every single game last mm-hmm. year which is uh you can do a lot worse when you're watching tv and sometimes he, he calls games on the radio which is incredible but you know no radio broadcast caitlin that sucks
2: I really feel for fans, and I will say that I've seen this written and said a few times, and I will repeat it because I agree with it, that if there is a broadcaster out there that can handle simulcasting a TV broadcast onto radio, it is Dan Schulman. He's a total pro. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for a long, long time. Um, I think Canada's lucky to have him. Um, he really is. He really, really, really is a spectacular broadcaster. So, um, you know, Blue Jays fans are lucky that he'll be doing it, but it is unfortunate. And, you know, I, admittedly, I um, have not been a big radio uh, listener pro- probably since I was young. Like, I, I don't have a car, so that's one of the reasons why. Um, primarily and then another reason why is recently I'm usually at games. I've been covering games, so um, it's been a f it's been a few years since I listen to the radio broadcasts regularly. I would like listen to it a bit here or there. So I can't say I'm like one of those people that um you know, is entirely familiar with it, or it's you know, synonymous with summer for me. Um, but I know for a lot of people, it is. I think that it's a cliche or it's something that's been said all the time, but it's true. Um, that radio, um, is a really great medium for baseball. Um, it, the baseball, the pace is uh, the right pace for radio, um, and going back to like the TV simulcast thing, the the difference is that the radio broadcast, um, how to broadcast a baseball game on radio, I should say, is very different than how you broadcast uh, a game on TV, right? TV, you have the visuals, so you don't have to do as much explaining, um, whereas radio, you don't have the visuals. So it's a lot more um, storytelling, painting the picture, and you hear that from a lot of radio broadcasters, right? Like you hear them talk about how they, um, you know, they pause and they paint the picture and they've got to really, um, say everything that's happening in in the game because you're not seeing it. They've got to really bring it to you. So that is something that I am just frankly quite curious as to like how, how it's going to work. Like how are they going to manage calling it on the TV and, and radio at the same time? Like what, which one are they going to lean towards? Because I think if you're a TV viewer, you don't need everything explained to you. And it might. Sound a bit tedious if you're hearing, you know, the pitch is this and here's, you know, all those kind of, I can't, I can't impersonate a radio broadcast. But, but I'm just saying like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you're not really serving any of the audience great because you're kind of doing it 50-50 on both ends, right?
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. There's going to be a huge... uh I feel like baseball fans who do listen to the games on the radio, and I would definitely count myself among that. I'm not, I would not say that I'm the kind of person who's going to sit down and put the, the entire game on the radio. But when I'm out and about, if I'm driving places here and there, when I, when I do, you know, I do uh, own a car and I do travel in those vehicles sometimes, and even just catching half an inning uh, here and there, or, you know, during the World Series, the same thing. I, I'll listen to any uh, game on the radio. It, it is absolutely the perfect mix. And listening to those games, you know, listening to something on on that's been broadcast. So either the announcers are going to say stuff like, "Well, you can't see this on if you're if you're listening on radio," but that ball really, really broke. You know, three or four inches off the inside corner, whatever it is. If you're not adding that kind of that kind of context for the radio listeners, they're they're really going to miss out. And and obviously, there's a lot of reasons I would say, or a lot of business uh, factors that probably went into this decision. They, we saw maybe the beginnings of that when they, when Rogers declined or, or or moved on from Mike Wilner, um, which was, we viewed as a shame then. And now we have a little bit of a different perspective on why they may have done that. Um, I'm very much of the mind that Ben Wagner and Mike Wilner were a great booth. I was really not looking forward to the idea of, of Wagner and just being some ex player, which I, I just, sometimes it works, but, but for me, they were, they were a really good tandem. Um, uh, of to, to play off each other, to trade off those, those play-by-play innings. Uh, and now, now instead, you're going to be left with Dan Shulman and Buck Martinez as a team, which we don't know what, what Shulman's um, availability is going to be like. Rodgers has been a little cryptic in some of the releases that they've sent out. Um, Dan Shulman has many other responsibilities. He has a sizable and, um, and busy contract uh, covering uh, college basketball for, for ESPN in the United States. There's no way he's just going to walk away from that um, until the time is right. Then maybe he will. But in the meantime, you know, Pat Tabler is a lovely man, but he's stretched on base on TV, right? TV is 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 kind of asking a lot of Pat Tabler at this point in his career, and, and even Buck Martinez as well. So those two are not the strongest play-by-play team in the league by a sight. And now to have them trying to do both, which they have not demonstrated themselves to be exceptionally adept at doing the one. Uh, it's a bit of a puzzling move. It's, it's a little bit rough. It's, um, it's just not fan friendly. And, and, you know, there are obviously business decisions, as I said, that went into it. And maybe it speaks to the radio advertising market and or the radio uh, ratings. I'm not sure. But if, if there's just no one who really is well, is, who is going to be served better by this choice.
2: Yeah, and I think that like you kind of indicated or or the release indicated that it's for this season, Um, there was no real indication what is going to be the plan moving forward. Obviously, the hope is that they would go back to having a TV booth and a radio booth. Um, If they did that, they presumably would have to hire someone to be that analyst seat next to Ben Wagner. Um, Obviously, the hope from everybody is that they go back to that. Um, We'll have to see like how it turns out this year. I think that something that um, is also frustrating fans and it kind of goes hand in hand with this um, is that this, or or there's two things. I mean, one is that spring has been decidedly off air. It's, you know, there's not been, there's been one game on TV and there's not another game coming up on TV for like two weeks now. And, 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 radio broadcast has been Inconsistent. I think one, the, 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 one game you could hear, uh, the Pittsburgh radio broadcast. The last couple games haven't had, um, even the road broadcast. So it's been really just hard <laughs> from my perspective. I mean, it's been hard to even just like follow the team. Obviously we got, you guys know I'm here in Toronto. So, um, we're, I've just been relying on actually having to check game day and seeing what's happening. And then we do have the zoom calls and like Charlie Montoya that like, kind of gives us a rundown. But I mean, at this point, It's really just kind of difficult to even know, um, how the team's looking because we can't see, we can't hear. And I think where this frustration comes from fans and part of it is, part of it is just frustrating because you, if you were a huge radio fan or you enjoy watching spring games and you're just frustrated that you can't see it. And I think another frustration is that it's been a long time since there's been a lot of hype around the Blue Jays. And I think it just kind of like, it, it's a time when fans are really excited to see them. There's new players. I mean, earlier this week, uh, George Springer had his spring debut, but did it really happen if nobody saw it? Um, it did happen, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's just all, it's bad timing and everybody's like tired and angry and, uh, pandemic fatigued and it's it's just a lot of like bad rough news lately and you're right like we don't know what goes into these decisions obviously tough economic times maybe it's budget reasons all these things go into it but it doesn't like make it any less difficult for fans to swallow like i i completely hear why people are frustrated Mm -hmm. um i do think it yeah like i i do think it it's um it's not it's not a great scenario and i and i think it's really unfortunate because there was just so much excitement around this team right now and obviously the regular season what's is what matters you're going to be able to watch the games in the regular season but um there is a certain charm to spring training and i think um especially especially uh early on it's nice to get those looks especially players like you know prospects get into the games and it's kind of nice to see those guys so yeah you were right
1: there was a certain charm to spring training. And we touched on this a little bit with Matt and we talked about it, you and I a little bit off air where this spring with some of the rule changes or some of the more relaxed uh, stance that the league has taken to what are fake games. We always chose to joke about fake games and exhibition games. Um, And they've, they've stretched it beyond uh, you know, any credibility because of the shortened games and the ability to just roll innings. And uh, you mentioned that there was um, uh, John Means of the Orioles was couldn't get out of an inning, so they took him out, and then they brought him back in in the second inning. Like It doesn't even resemble a baseball game, game anymore, which is really almost... which would be challenging to square with the idea of them selling tickets. If the idea of them selling tickets during the pandemic, while more people in the United States have been vaccinated than here in Canada... So it's still somewhat uh, still rough that they're selling tickets, but it's just it's not even a television product worth broadcasting anymore (laughs) because it's not even a game. They just wander off the field. I was I mentioned I was watching an Angels game, and you know one of the fun things about spring training is especially in the early days when. The starters aren't are only going two innings uh, and or, or one inning and and uh, you know, on the pitching side and the position players maybe getting two maybe three at bats, uh, you get a chance to see some of these non raster invites. You get a chance to for a guy to maybe win him, win themselves a job. You get an opportunity to see some of these different uh, more and more exciting prospects to get out and just get some reps in 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 a quasi big league environment and atmosphere. And now that's all but gone. So you know what is it? How, how is someone going to win a job when they when they get one at bat here and there? Because the games they just up and end them after five innings or six innings or seven innings, not without a with a. You know the wins and losses don't matter, but they've just even limited the the opportunities for me as a fan to to enjoy a baseball game. The the random guys wearing number eighty eight and a half, you know, Lee. Pinch running in the eighth inning. No, the broadcast doesn't know who he is. Nobody knows who's wearing that jersey. That's the charm of spring training. The goofy little ballparks, as Matt talked about, uh, you'll hear him talk about. We haven't we haven't run that part of the show yet, but we <laughs> talked about it. Uh, it you know, did happen. Everything has become you know that more professionalized, but the game itself, the thing that they're selling to to thousands of people, you know, at a time when they show up at the ballpark, they've they've just kind of removed. It's almost like they've they've broken the fourth wall. And they're like, this is pretend, and none of it matters, but we'll t- still take your money and charge you for the privilege of sitting in the sun watching baseball-adjacent activities happening on a grassy field. Which, which doesn't justify cutting the radio broadcast, but it, in, in my mind, truth be, truth be told, it almost justifies not broadcasting the spring shit, because it's barely a game. <laughs> And, you know, if I wanted to watch, what's that, the thing the Raptors do, the open court or whatever, then I'd watch open court. And that's almost what spring training has become. Shohei Otani hit an enormous home run today. Gary Sanchez hit one the other day. Both of these home runs go over the batter's eye. As long as you can get that out there on social media, then the, that's the job accomplished. So I can watch that. And I can be like, yeah, Shohei Otani's good to go. He's going to win the MVP this year. So that that's all I need I don't there's no game to watch there's no so the rhythms and all the stuff that we talked about that made baseball good for the for the radio has now been dissolved because can you imagine poor Ben Wagner and Mike Wilner looking with binoculars from the radio booth being like and now Charlie Motoya walked out of the field he's kind of talking to the umpire and they're kind of shrugging their shoulders now they're waving everybody in looks like the game is over thanks a lot everybody stay tuned for Jay's talk and they move on their way like that sucks that's not a that's not that's no fun Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm being, maybe I'm an old man who's like, there needs to be a winner. And uh, hey, <laughs> hey, nobody can see that face that you just made. This is radio right here. And you just <laughs> made a TV face, but listen, but just lie to me. Just lie to me about what we're all doing here. And they've just stopped doing that.
2: Okay. Two things. <laughs> uh, well, I believe these rule Uh, changes and having more discretion and uh, all that, like seven innings and ending games. I believe it's all to do with health and safety. And I think it's for this season in particular, this spring training in particular, um, part of it is that, you know, you don't bring as many guys to the road because you're only going seven innings and there's less people congregating and all that kind of stuff. So, and I don't think it's going on all spring. I should have checked the rules, but I believe as we get closer to the season, things are going to start resembling baseball more. And then that's like when you also see starters actually trying to get like, you know, go like four or five innings, really stretch themselves out. And then at that point, it will probably resemble more baseball, which, by the way, is going to be when games start getting broadcast again in two weeks. Um, Second thing is I don't actually mind it that well. That much. Like, I wouldn't classify myself as much of a traditionalist. I'm not particularly nostalgic for anything, really. So... I kind of like the wackiness of it. Like, I feel like if you're going to do spring, you might as well just completely lean into spring. And like the other day, the Blue Jays had a double walk-off, which whatever that means, like they essentially won twice. And it was so everyone had a good chuckle in the Zoom um, when Charlie announced that they had a double walk-off. And I hear what you're saying. Like, I hear that it crosses a line like it you know it loses credibility or it's just it's too far away from um it's too far away from what baseball should be but i don't know like i'm i kind of like the wackiness of it like i just like if you're gonna get weird just like get weird like i i love the weirdness of spring
1: see i think it's backwards and i think that you it's almost like the uncanny valley like it's 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 a Resembles baseball so much to be like putting but I think that the whack, you know, spring training used to be different. Which is not from a nostalgic point of view. Which is more like the players would come and like, get themselves into shape in spring training. They would show up. They'd be out of shape. They hadn't done anything all winter. They were. They were. They would come and they would drink. You know, everyone. There's a million and 20 stories of people drinking way too much, getting drunk drunk driving, all like spring training has got a terrible body count for that, which isn't to say that I'm longing for those days. But if ever if, if it was if it was that these guys were coming and they were hung over and then they were like, oh, you know what, I can't play anymore today. Forget <laughs> this, That I can get behind. But these guys come to come to spring and they're as big as they can get. They spend all winter bulking up so that they can lose their muscle mass over the over the span of the 162 game season and 180 games. So it's it's the opposite of that. They should be like ready to go and like playing 15 inning games and just doing whatever. But your your point's fair, and and maybe I am. Maybe I am a crotchety old man because I want to see hungover baseball players sweating it out in in the Arizona and Central Florida sun. But we're not getting that not this year anyway. You know what? We should stop now. Are you okay with that?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: We're
1: yes. going to stop now. We're going to stop talking about this. We're going to talk to Matt Galba about spring training. Matt is, uh, well, he's a lot of things, but he covers the Phillies for the athletic, and he has covered the Phillies for the better part of a decade. So that's very exciting. He's got a lot of interesting perspectives on not only the Phillies, but the Blue Jays as well, and where the Blue Jays play. So we're excited to for you to hear that, even though we've already let some cats out of some bags. But still. <laughs> so t- we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Matt Gelb and then more spin rate on The Athletic. We got more on the Blue Jays on spin rate right after this note from our sponsors
0: and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package terms or restrictions apply Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Alright, as mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by The Athletic's Zone. covers the Phillies, they're in Philadelphia, he's currently down in beautiful sunny Florida, Mr. Matt Gelb. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today.
3: Hi, guys. I mean, it was a pleasure. Like, I got to say, I went into, what do they call the Blue Jays Stadium down here now? Because I just call it the Needham Stadium. Uh, TD, TD Ballpark. TD Ballpark. And it's the only place where they actually had like a care package waiting at my makeshift desk, basically. There was a, <laughs> a container of wipes and a bottle of hand sanitizer. And it was true uh Canadian kindness and uh, I really appreciated it
2: (laughs) I was gonna say that sounds like a very Canadian move and I will say I remember last year when we had summer camp in Toronto which was like the only time the Blue Jays were in Toronto last year uh, we also got a similar care package waiting for us so Blue Jays like their care packages
3: yeah I mean I was in Lakeland today which is where the Tigers are and the only thing that I was greeted with there was just like basically the entire crowd not wearing their masks for the entire (laughs) game so that's like you know closer to the middle of the state and really not as uh not as progressive I think as Dunedin
1: Beautiful downtown Lakeland. Well, this, I'm glad that you brought this up. This is the reason, the real reason we we brought this up. We could come, we could have you on to talk about the Phillies, who are in a lot of ways, I think even right now, kind of in a similar, maybe not a similar spot to the Blue Jays, but they have playoff aspirations. They spent some money in the offseason, but they might still be looking up at some of the other teams in their division. But definitely, if things break right, they can be a playoff team. We'll get to that. But what we're really here to talk about is something that I know that you're very passionate about, and that is the city of Dunedin. In Florida, a big league city now, the sleepiest big league city there ever was.
3: I, I am like I still can't imagine them playing actual regular season Major League Baseball games in Dunedin. It's a hard thing to picture. I mean, like I pay somebody across the street five dollars to park, like in a park, you know, in like a driveway there. And I love that they're going to play big league baseball, meaningful big league baseball. Skip's Bar is uh, is up the street from the ballpark, and. It's a great place. It's a dog friendly bar. I I mean I haven't I didn't go there. I haven't gone there this spring because I'm not going into bars uh this spring, but it's a great place. And I'm imagining Skips being like a big league bar now. And uh what a thing. I mean, it, it's it's I think the ball is gonna fly there. I mean, I, I it'll depend on, you know, the weather conditions, obviously, but I think that's I mean, I know there's people have been kind of trying to figure out park factors for for the for the ballpark in Denin, but I honestly I think the ball is just going to absolutely fly there.
2: Yeah, I believe the the like uh what the players say about it is it's hitter friendly obviously. I think to right field is like the shorter um field there so the so like left-handed hitters um could really have a good time. Um, Blue Jays don't have a lot of left-handed hitters, but they do have one left-handed hitter, Rowdy Tellez. Could help Kevin Biggio, too, um, considering he's not known to hit the ball super far. So, you know, he's known for those wall scrapers, so it could help him a little bit as well. But just to, like, kind of um, uh, fill people in, like, Dunedin is kind of a a very quaint town. It's one of the – it's probably the smallest. um,
3: Absolutely the smallest. Yeah. yeah, the s-
2: smallest spring training, um, like city, or it's not a city, but smallest spring training, um, location for, um, like all the Florida teams. And, you know, the Blue Jays have a really long history there. Um, and obviously, like a few years ago, there was sort of like speculation or there was like talk because obviously the Blue Jays wanted to renovate their facilities, which we saw, um, they did with that, like, extravagant, um, uh, like player facility um they renovated the stadium but there was some talk that like maybe they would have to leave Dunedin because there just wasn't the space there um you know a lot of the other clubs have um these massive facilities where they have their player development complex and they have their stadium at the same location the Blue Jays is actually a different location um so you have to drive like 15 10 15 minutes um and so the stadium's in one spot, the player development is in another spot. Um, so that's a little bit tricky, but anyway, long story short is that the, the history of and the connection with the blue Jays, it's very strong. There's a lot of Canadians that end up sort of, um, like snowbird Canadians that end up in that area, uh, specifically to be around the blue Jays. You have a lot of blue Jays fans there as well. So there was just like such a strong connection to that, um, that community that they decided to stay there. Obviously it worked out because they've renovated the stadium. They've renovated the uh, player development complex, um, it's now state of the art. It's probably the best in the majors for now. Um, but that's just get kind of the rundown on Dunedin is that, yeah, it is a small place. It's very quaint. Uh, it's it's uh, It's got a certain charm to it, for sure, like Matt's saying. <laughs> um, I think it's
3: become – it actually became the microbrewery capital of Florida, too, actually. There's, like, a lot of breweries that have popped up in Dunedin. So it's uh, – yeah, it's a cool place. And there's, there's a certain charm to it. They closed down Main Street. Um St. Patrick's Day, and they just uh, bring in like tanker trucks that have taps on the side of the trucks, and people just like drink on Main Street. I mean, it's like I don't know. There's just something, uh, something quaint about the Uh
1: So you were at the ballpark this week. Did you did you see? Did it look different to you? Do you think it's uh, again? You say this, so it's probably going to play big. I think you made a comment about the wind. I mean, uh, the Blue Jays have a have a pretty formidable lineup. It, that sounds like it's going to be a place where a lot of runs are going to get scored.
3: Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, I mean, I, you know, over the 11 years that I've been coming down here for spring, I have seen, uh, you know, and I, I don't have the numbers to back this up, just anecdotally. I've seen some games if the wind is blowing out to left or right, uh, I, I mean, it, it just goes crazy. I mean, you if you get the ball in the air, uh, it's got a good chance of going out. So I, I wonder what happens as it gets a little warmer, too, um, if that will help uh, the hitting environment there. Um you know, I got it's funny because one of the last uh, places I went before everything shut down last spring was my first time to renovated uh, TD Ballpark. And uh, and and I and there was a part of me that was kind of upset that they renovated it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I like there is just it was like the last I guess you would count maybe uh, in Bradenton. McKechn- I call it McKechnie Field. It's not called McKechnie Field anymore, but it's where the pirates train. Their ballpark has this sort of like old spring training feel, and they've done some renovations on it. But I was kind of upset that they renovated the team because it it had—it just—it felt like spring to me. Like it was—it was felt like spring training. It felt like, uh, you know, like the sort of practice.
1: These are practice games,
3: (laughs) right? And the beauty of spring training to me is that it's—it's such a cool experience for fans. Like they get uh, as such a laid-back, uh, you know, relaxed vibe uh, and experience in the spring. And you know, as these teams have built up the complexes, you know, and they, they feel palatial and they feel, you know, more like a, 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 a place where, you know, it it just, it just doesn't feel the same to me. And, uh, I think they did a great job renovating though. I really do. I mean, the boardwalk is cool. Um, I, I wonder how many people they're going to let in because they, they, um, in Clearwater, the Phillies have had, had, uh, 2,100 people for their first game and in Lakeland, it was very similar, I believe it was about 2,200 but I think in Deneen they had far less. Uh, I think they were only letting in about 600 people maybe. Mm. Uh, and you could feel it. I mean, it was very quiet. It was, it was, it's so weird to me. Um, you know, cause mainly people are wearing masks and there's not a lot of yelling or cheering. And when there are only 500 or 600 people in the stands, even though it is a small stadium, it, I don't know. It was, it, was, it wasn't as eerie as an empty stadium, but it was still, it still felt kind of weird. Uh, and I do think like these smaller crowds are going to make for an interesting dynamic because we are going to hear individual fans more often this season and so if there is a, someone who is particularly loud or angry I think we're going to hear that person even either on the broadcast or in the ballpark more often. <laughs>
1: Uh, you mentioned that about the the spring is is is, uh, is changing for fans. Now this spring in particular is obviously quite different for for someone like yourself who's traveling around to these ballparks and covering the team. Um, how have you found kind of navigating spring training here in 2021, which is obviously even different than than spring training 2020 when this was all sort of beginning?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, very different. I mean, I think the the best part about spring is is the access. I mean, just the the closeness and the laid back atmosphere like i said that that goes not just for fans but also goes for the players and it goes for the the people who cover the team too i mean it's a chance to develop relationships and to spend time you know may, you know maybe with uh you know spend time with certain players that you might not get during the season because uh you know it is practice for them and it is uh, a time where they're not as uh intently focused on their craft necessarily i mean they're getting their work in and you know there's a little more free time down here so uh, as someone who who comes down, you know, has come down here for a while, I think one of my favorite things is walking around the back fields. Uh, as Caitlin mentioned, like the Blue Jays complex is a little different, but the Phillies minor league complex is is right beyond left field, over in Clearwater, of the of the ballpark. So it's right next door, and I often just like going back over there and just walking around the back fields. And it might be a practice for the big league team, but also later in the spring, we usually be like minor league camp is open, and I just want to go back there and put faces to names and. See some players that i've been hearing about but uh haven't gotten to, to see yet and you know there's almost always fans at the practices too and there are no fans this year you know i can't freely walk over to the backfield to see people uh, but I, you know the Phillies have been really good and accommodating and trying to you know still try to have some interactions you know i've had some distanced interviews this spring uh which they are they are strange, but I will I far prefer them to a Zoom call. Uh, I we are on Zoom right now, but I wish like I never have to do a Zoom call ever again. I know that's not realistic, uh, but you know being down here uh, and having that sort of face to face interaction, even if it's masked, uh, has been refreshing, uh, truly refreshing. I mean, it is incredible to have human interaction, uh, you know, <laughs> with with the people that I cover. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Caitlin, you know, you can attest to this. I mean, it's, you know, covering the team from afar, you know, just from upstairs in the press box and then just over zoom, uh, was, was a real challenge. And there were far greater challenges and injustices and, and issues that this world has faced in this last year. So it doesn't really compare, but in our little universe, uh, you know, covering baseball was tough. And so I've really enjoyed the chance this spring to get that that face-to-face interaction uh even though people can't see my face and thank god they can't because i have a a ridiculous mask tan right now because uh (laughs) the 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 part of my face that is covered every day by a mask has gotten no sun and i feel like i have to fix it somehow before i leave for cold philadelphia again i'm not really sure how i'm gonna fix that though
1: i really like the idea of like a watch tan but for your face like i think it's really (laughs) It's almost like a flex, like, you know, I get to be outside, I, I'm outside, I'm, I'm enjoying the fresh air, you're all locked away at home, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, you use the word refresh, which is interesting for someone who covers the Phillies, because, you know, you said you've covered the team for 11 years, and, and a big part of spring training, you know, Caitlin and I talked about this last week, it's about developing and building these relationships, while the Phillies are a team that wants looks to contend, uh, a lot of the additions that that they made in the offseason were familiar faces. you know they were able to resign uh, JT real muto uh, and 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 Didi as well uh, so so what do you think about the Phillies you know as they go into this season with with you know addition by non-subtraction in a way? I mean anytime your team can sign JT Real Muto, you're ahead of the game in a way but again this is this wasn't filling a hole it was it was it was kind of a bit of the status quo.
3: yeah, they're very much running it back. Uh, especially on the offensive side lineup is going to look the same uh, except for maybe in center field. They're going to get a full season of Alec Boehm at third base, you know, and he was one of the better rookies in the league last year. So that that's a little different, but you're right. I mean, this is a team that, that looks very similar to last year. I mean, they also, you know, scored a lot of runs. Uh, their top three starting pitchers, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, Zach Eflin were about as good of a trio as there was in the league last year. I mean, they were quite productive in the shortened season. They kind of spent this offseason looking to improve pitching depth and overall roster depth. I mean, a lot has been made. I mean, they had not just a bad bullpen last year. I mean, they had a historically bad bullpen, maybe one of the worst bullpens in modern baseball history, <laughs> certainly the worst bullpen in Philly's history, at least since like 1930. Uh, And they probably would have made the playoffs, the expanded playoffs, albeit, uh, even if they just had a bad bullpen instead of a historically bad bullpen. So they're kind of betting on that this year. Now, a few things are working against them. One, there isn't expanded playoffs anymore, at least for now, we think, right? So there are only five teams that will make the playoffs out of the National League. And you think that two are going to come from the NL West. We think that the Dodgers and the Padres are both going to make the playoffs. You know, I think that's, you know, who knows? I mean, stranger things have happened, but it would be stunning if one of those teams does not make the playoffs as the, as a division winner and then as one of the wild cards. So, I mean, they, the division's better, you know, the Mets got better. Uh, The Braves are healthier, probably better as well. Nationals made some additions, especially added some offense added some slugging to their lineup, uh, Marlins made the playoffs last year, which is crazy. Uh, and they have young pitching. So it, it, it's a lot of things working against them. But, you know, they think that they've, they've raised the bar a little bit with regards to their pitching. And I would agree with that. I mean, it's hard. It would be hard to be worse than they were last year in the bullpen. I think they're certainly better. They've acquired some guys who throw hard. They've acquired some guys who have, have experience. Uh, so far, the look in spring training has been better. Uh, I think they have an improved bullpen. I don't think it's going to be a strength for them. I just think it might be like the 22nd best bullpen in the league instead of the, the 29th or 30th. So, uh, you know, they need health. It's an older team because they are running it back and everyone is a year older now. So uh, they they definitely need health. And they and, you know, if they lose one of their top three starters, Nola, Wheeler, or Eflin, uh, it, it's going to be really hard for them to make the playoffs. So Vegas has them you know around 81 and a half wins right now I think that number is a tick low I think it's fair I would probably take the over I don't know that I would go much further over than 81 and a half I've been saying 84 and 85 wins uh and I think that's a fair number because that that number puts them right there I think the National League East is going to beat up on each other and if you think that they're an 84-85 win team right now maybe a few things go their way maybe they get lucky maybe they make an acquisition in July and maybe they're right there I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, the team that's built to win right now, they have to. I mean, they're going to end up spending $210 million again on this roster. So, uh, it's they have the second longest postseason drought in the league. Isn't that incredible? I mean, the Seattle Mariners are the only team in Major League Baseball that has a longer postseason drought right now than the Phillies do. They haven't made the playoffs since 2011. They haven't Did had they a winning...
1: Win the- did they win the division five years in a row? Yes. And, now, and from then, it's nothing.
3: Yeah, they haven't had a winning season since 2011. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's and they've spent a lot of money since 2011. So uh, it's quite the drought. And uh, people are getting impatient. And uh, if there's no postseason this year, I'm not really sure where they go from here. It. it oh, sorry, Caitlin, go ahead.
2: I was just going to, well, if you have a follow on that, but I was just going to hone in on the Phillies bullpen for a second and, and um, bring it back to the Bujays a little bit. Because David Phelps was a guy that um, Philadelphia acquired last year. He was having a really good season in Milwaukee and he was supposed to come over and help the Phillies bullpen. And then he caught whatever was going around <laughs> on with those relievers. Any insight into what happened with him in that second half? Because obviously he's back with the Blue Jays. He had a good like half season or so with the Blue Jays back in 2019. They traded him um, when they were kind of doing their teardown. So he's had some success here. What happened with him in the back half of last year?
3: So it's funny because he was the one guy I thought the Phillies should bring back from that bullpen of the guys who were free agents. Uh, he was the guy I thought uh, was just... It was totally inexplicable. I mean, he, you know, I, I can tell you what happened. I mean, he he really he started missing over the plate badly. And he and he gave up quite a few home runs while he was with the Phillies. Uh, you know, way more home runs, I think, than he had, you know, he pitched far less than he did with the Phillies than he did with the Brewers. And I think he allowed twice as many home runs with with the Phillies. Uh he, you know, I I think he's got good stuff though. And I mean, he was on to something. Uh I I I I would have I would have brought him back, and I think it was a nice deal for Blue Jays because it was about what it was less than two million dollar guarantee, right? One and a half, maybe something like that.
2: Yeah, something like that. It wasn't. Uh, I have his page pulled up here. Um, uh, I mean, he's, yeah, one point seven five. Uh,
3: I I uh, I think he's a decent bounce back bet just because of 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 what was trending for him uh, in the first half of the year. Some of those characteristics, pitch characteristics, were were were, were really impressive. It seemed like he was on to something you know, but they acquired a bunch of players uh during the season last year who had been pitching well, like Brandon Workman, yeah. Heath Hembry. And like, they were, I mean, it was just, I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, every single one of them not only failed, but failed at such an epic rate that you, you couldn't even like, you just, they couldn't stop the bleeding. It was, it was incredible. So I, I think golf is a decent sign. I mean, if you're not you know, I think as a seventh inning guy, I don't know what role he'll fill in the Blue Jays, but to me, he's he's a solid middle reliever, especially yeah. at that price and seems like a guy who could certainly handle the seventh inning in 2021.
1: It's, the Phillies, in some ways, they remind me of like the 2017 Blue Jays. Where they were an older bunch and they were just kind of hoping to pull it all together. And as long as none, nothing really sprung a leak, then they could be okay and they could be right in the mix because they have a lot of players who have A, a lot of experience, and B, a lot of like, you know high end talent but of course the 2017 blue jays were none of those things they were terrible and and i uh, not to, to not to suggest that the phillies are going to be terrible but i wonder you know i'm sure you you've run through through some of the um the young players it doesn't seem like they have anybody really knocking on the door to step in and and make a difference and be an upgrade uh, you know what's your sense of where the sort of the farm system is right now i'm i'm looking at it and there's a lot of really young players whose whose arrival dates are 2023 and beyond
3: yeah, and actually, I mean, they are older, but I mean, they do have, I mean, they have guys in their prime, really. I mean, you know, like, look, like Bryce Harper, squarely in his prime. He's only he's 28. Really, he's only 28. <laughs> he's been forever. I <laughs> believe. I mean, it feels like, yes, you know, we've been talking about him since he was 12, and that's because we have been talking about him since he was 12 years mm-hmm. old. So, uh, you know, Real Muto, very much still in his prime, you know, is about to turn 31. So, I mean, they have they have players in their prime, and. You know, in terms of the farm system, you know, Alec Bohm was was a big prospect that they graduated. He was the third overall pick uh, in the 2017 draft. And uh, he was tremendous last year. And they're going to get a full season of him at the plate. You know, Spencer Howard is their best pitching prospect. And he did not have uh, an impressive debut in the majors last year. He made, uh, I think, six or seven starts. Wasn't good. Uh, He admitted then that he wasn't healthy. He had shoulder problems at the end he had lost some weight during the shutdown between training camps but uh he's been great this spring like i've been really impressed watching him uh throw uh live batting practice sessions uh he's going to pitch later this week he's their best bet for a 2021 impact addition from the minor leagues and i guess you know i still count him cuz i believe he still has he still has rookie status even though he mm-hmm. did pitch last year in the majors um but you're right you i mean beyond that uh, most of the minor league talent is younger. Uh, it's not a highly rated system. Uh, they did not come out of the rebuild that they embarked on beginning in 2015 with, with enough. And, and they've tried to chase it now with money. I mean, they've invested quite a bit in the big league roster because they didn't come out come away with enough talent from the minor leagues. I mean, look at center field right now, like they're, it's the one position that's open on this roster and they have uh, a, a, a first round pick in Adam Hazley, a second round pick in Roman Quinn, another second round pick in uh, Scott Kingery, a first round pick, first overall pick in Mickey Moniac. And of those four guys, like none of them have really stepped up last year. None of them, you know, have a leg up right now in a competition for center field. That is a lot of draft capital and not a lot to show for it. So not what you want I mean they have not <laughs> been known not been known for their drafting and developing for a long time now and it, it's it's really hurt them
1: the words of a man who covers Joe Girardi uh, for <laughs> a living uh, uh I, I think it's it, it, it's an exciting but odd season and, and you can only you can only hope I don't know maybe maybe we can put a call in the, the maybe there's a perfectly barely used Randall Gritchick that could help the Phillies I don't know
2: <laughs> can't can I he, just, uh, um, if he, he's the odd man out, right? Is
3: that, is that the situation?
1: A little bit. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, he, the things he does well, he doesn't do well enough to kind of steal anybody's job, I think. Like, I, and if you ask me, which you didn't, uh, but, uh, he's a perfectly good, you know, starting outfielder on a, like, second division team, as they used to say, right? Like, he's a fine, he's an adequate center fielder. He, you could find a lot of worse center fielders and he can hit the ball out of the ballpark sometimes, but that, and his contract is, is, while a a hotly contested piece of business is hardly onerous, but at the same time, if you're a team that's looking to win, I don't know that Randall Gritchick is the move that you're really looking to make that upgrade to get yourself into the playoffs to move over Atlanta and as well as the other, you know, the the Cubs and the Giants and the other teams that, that are kind of in that level of 81, 82, 83, 84 wins.
3: I, I think the last time the Phillies got an outfielder from the Blue Jays was like Jimmy Paredes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't like remember he, that. Yeah, I don't. Maybe, I don't know if he had come from the from the Blue Jays. I feel like he did. Maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. So the Leafs and Blue Jays don't trade that often.
1: No. Well, was, there was one. There was one. Was one. I can remember.
3: <laughs> there was one. There was one big one. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I'm just gonna um before we finish with Matt, I want to put him on the spot here for a second. Um, there was uh, I guess it was August, mid August, I think, and there was bit of a disaster series in um, Philadelphia last year. I remember it was – I think both teams were kind of skidding maybe or, you know, the Blue Jays had lost a bunch in a row. And um, and you sent out a tweet uh, and you said, after watching the Blue Jays for a weekend, American League teams should be doing everything they can to secure wow. the number one seed, huge, huge gap between Blue Jays and next best team. You weren't wrong because the Blue Jays did get handily beaten by the race. Um, so you weren't wrong, but I do kind of recall maybe you took some heat for that tweet from some Blue Jays fans. I
3: took a lot of heat for that tweet.
2: So here's your chance. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> you were right last year. I think um I think that tweet aged well. But given, you know, you saw the Blue Jays a couple days ago, obviously a new look team here. What do you think of them now, what they did this off season, you know, thoughts on the Bla- Blue Jays now?
3: Vladito looks like he's in amazing shape. He really, I mean, like it's, it's stunning. It, you see the pictures, but then you see him in person on the field and you, uh, I was blown away. Uh, the, the amount of weight that he's lost, he's moving around great, He hit the ball, uh, hard at least once, I think twice. Um, Steve mass had really good off speed stuff working the other day against the <laughs> it was two innings, but, uh, I was, I was impressed with his stuff. I, I like what the Blue Jays did. I mean, like, you have to give them credit. They went out and spent this offseason, and, and and good for them. And, I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's a shame that, like, we're at that point in the league's competition cycle where, like, we're, you know, have to openly praise teams that actually are trying. But, I mean, credit to the Blue Jays. They are actually trying. And I think uh, I, I look at the division, and, and I don't see how you can't include them at the top like in the conversation for the top. I mean, I think everyone is a little closer bunched closer in that AL East and I'm not an expert in that division, but, uh, I, I I like what they did. I mean, you, I mean, I think you have to wonder about the pitching. I mean, I feel like that's, that is like a perennial concern for the blue Jays. You know, where, where is the, the mid rotation, the back rotation, uh, innings, where are they going to come from? Who are they going to come from? And, you know, I, I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be fun to watch though because they're young and they're going to score a lot of runs. And I mean, that's great. Like they have some really fun young players. And they played just about all of them the other day against the Phillies. So I thought that was cool. They had a pretty representative lineup and uh it's a fun team. So like I, I apologize. And, and I think <laughs> at the time, you know, like they were they were not playing well, but I, I no. honestly like and not to not to like you know try to cop out but it, it was more about the rest of the aaf honestly yes like the, the 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 top seven teams were i thought just like so much better than i mean it was a it was a year where like only seven teams should have made the playoffs or even fewer <laughs> than that i'm not a proponent of expanded playoffs but that eight seed was clearly going to be you know a a, a mismatch and uh those games against the rays were, were you know not all not all of them were but they were relatively competitive games yeah
2: it was it was very much a playoff um, playoff series uh, where experience was gained. You know, I think that was the real benefit of last year. Um, going through what they went through, the young players really bonded, having such a strange season, getting into the postseason was a new experience for basically all of them. Like, almost, I I can't remember, but there was only a handful of guys that even had any playoff experience. So I think like that was, that was the major like victory, like the, you know, the moral victory of last season was essentially just getting the Blue Jays used to more competitive baseball, postseason baseball, get a taste of it. And that was just really the major takeaway. But
3: yeah, I remember I remember the two thousand and seven Phillies just you know, they went they won the division on the last day of the season and then played the Rockies in the in the wild card in the division round and got swept. They lost three in a row, and that was that. They won the World Series next year, and they would talk about that two thousand and seven experience. It was a young team, hadn't been in the playoffs in a long time. And even though they lost three in a row. Uh, had talked about that experience as something that really fueled them going into the next season. So There's maybe that's a- the case here.
1: There's nothing that can prepare you for Rocktober when it comes and <laughs> runs right over you. Uh, Matt, right. thank you so much. While uh, while you were right, the Blue Jays spent a lot of 2020 getting killed, like getting destroyed. They would play the Yankees in a three-game series and lose every game by eight runs. It felt you like You guys didn't times.
3: ask me about Chase Anderson, who might be like the Phillies' fourth starter this oh, year. Yeah. Oh, you're
1: right. I saw that on the depth <laughs> chart. It was so far down. I was like, you know what? <laughs> We don't need to dive into the. T- we don't need to chase. Uh, I, I mean, this the, podcast like, interview, the,
3: the game logs where he's like giving up five home runs to the Yankees in a game. You are like, oh man, like what happened here?
2: Yeah, uh, that uh, was a weird. That was a series where they like got dominated by they. They had previously played the Yankees, I think, and won really um, handily. And then the Yankees were mad about the lights in Buffalo, and the Blue Days <laughs> were riding high. And then they went into New York, and they just got handily defeated.
3: Well the, Philly, the games the Phillies played in Buffalo were like they played a doubleheader there and they lost both. And it was two of the worst
2: mm, crushing mm.
3: losses the Phillies could have. And it was very emblematic of twenty twenty because they were playing games in a triple A stadium and <laughs> and and couldn't hold leads in a seven inning game. They had like a six nothing lead I think in the yeah, first, in the second yeah. game there and was lost. definitely one yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. Just well,
1: terrible. Bad bullpen or otherwise the Phillies are trying to win and if you're a Phillies fan you want to follow Matt on Twitter and read everything that he writes on the Athletic because it's going to be, if nothing else, an interesting season around Citizens Bank Ballpark. Mag, anything else you want to plug? Where anything else people can find you? You got, no, you got a clubhouse? You got a TikTok that they can they can I, hit you
3: up on? I do not, but I mean, I know the Phillies and the Blue Jays play uh, early in the season. I think uh, early May, so uh, we shall see. Uh, be I'm um, can't wait to see how those young players end up. And I think they'll end up playing like 18 more times this spring. So,
1: <laughs> As is yeah. the way, as yeah. is the way. Matt, the Pinellas, thank you so much for taking
3: Pinellas the time. The Pinellas County Cup, the Pinellas County Cup. <laughs> <laughs> gonna win it? Okay.
1: With the, all I always remember about Clearwater is the, well, the ball retrieving folks and the, like the twisted kilt boat uh, sign out behind uh, it's, it's that's my those are my the, the
3: Hooters girls have been unfortunately cut, uh, eliminated. Uh, oh, they don't the do COVID, that anymore. In, oh, okay. Well, in the COVID, in the COVID, uh, uh, spring, the Hooters girls, uh, have been, uh, have been, a, uh, have been eliminated from the equation. So.
1: Well, there's no masks in that uniform, so it makes sense. Uh, Matt, thank you so much. Ha- enjoy the rest of your spring and, uh, and stay safe when you go back up, uh, to get cold in Philly. Thank you, yeah, Matt. Thank you, guys. Yeah, stay safe. We'll be coming back with more spin rate in just a second. But first,
3: check this out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
2: Go to your happy place For a happy price Go to your happy price
0: price Priceline
1: Alright, once again, thanks so much to Matt for taking the time to join us Uh, Didn't mention if you want to follow him on Twitter you can at Matt Gelb M-A-T-T-G-E-L-B Maybe he'll inflame more Blue Jays fans this year (laughs) and can have uh, mentions full of angry canadians telling him that the phillies suck which i'm sure hurts his feelings the phillies are in a different spot than the blue jays which we talked about a lot and i i i'll be honest unless phillies win the world series this year they are screwed i do not envy phillies fans because they're this is the this, this is the the death rattle here before that franchise goes back to probably needing a rebuild again because um, there's a lot of money and a lot of um, older players kind of kicking around. You know, Bryce Harper is the oldest 28-year-old in the world. Love him, though. God love him. What a, I, I'd sign that contract a million times. But the Blue Jays are in a different spot. We talked about the gra- the grand new Blue Jays player development complex, which leads us to something that you wrote about this week, Caitlin, which is Blue Jays player development and pitcher development. You kind of started with Robbie Ray uh, talking about what, what his – plan and path and such that the Blue Jays and Robbie Ray decided to reunite. So why don't don't you give us like a, like the high level 30,000 foot view of what you wrote about this week?
2: Yeah. Well, the, I, the genesis of the idea was essentially that I think we heard a number of times this past off season. I think I've heard it the last couple of off seasons. I've heard it a few times. It's just this idea that like the Blue Jays can get a pitcher and even if he's not had a great year just get him into the hands of Pete Walker and let Pete like let Pete do work his magic or whatever and so I was just kind of curious and you know not just Pete Walker there was also um bullpen coach Matt Bushman and um so I was just kind of curious like why that is like what what do they do like what you know what why do the Blue Jays front office uh, have this like confidence in them? or why do they feel like they can bring in these guys um, who might be looking to, you know, bounce back or work on something or there's a certain major league weapon in their arsenal, but for whatever reason, um it's not working or they're just on a on a really like rough stretch. And so the Blue Jays, um, we know they've not been afraid to bring in different kinds of relievers that might be um, kind of like low by, the <laughs> cat Low, uh, low risk, high reward type guys. They've done that a couple of years. Um, the last uh, the last year they brought in Ray, uh, Robbie Ray, and then this off they brought in Stephen Matz. I think even like Tanner Rourke um, in their system, like he's probably looking to bounce back this um, this season. So yeah, so the idea was just like to kind of um, pick the brains of Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and just figure out like, okay, if if the Blue Jays do go and get some some pitcher. And you guys can see like that. There's um some work that needs to be done. Like there's some adjustments that need to be made. Like how how do you go about um how do you go about doing that? So I don't I don't know how far into the weeds you want me to get about like the the reporting process or the um or the, like the uh, the writing process of it. But you know, essentially, I just had two really good conversations with um Pete and Matt. And they just kind of told me like what what really it comes down to. And essentially, like if you read the piece, I get into more details with it there. But, you know, to start with Robbie Ray, essentially he came over from the Diamondbacks at the trade deadline. Uh, he flew into Miami and essentially he was going to start or um, I think he was going to pitch even the day he arrived or the next day. I can't quite remember what exactly it was, but it was very quick turnaround. And essentially, Pete just met met with him very quickly and essentially just gave him a very simple message. Just go out there and pitch. And, you know, when, when someone like me or you, someone like us hears that, it's sort of like meaningless to us. Like go out and pitch. Isn't that what he's always been doing? But to a pitcher, like, it, you know, it means something or it really like gave, um, Robbie Ray from what he told me, it kind of just gave him a clear objective. Like, okay, just go out there, be myself, go back to what I know. And, and the message from Pete was just go have fun. Like we know you can do this, just pitch. And so I guess that little bit of advice um really connected with Robbie Ray right away. Um, it kind of gave him that sense of the fresh start that he was looking for. Um, part of that was just also coming over. And so from that point on, their relationship grew. Robbie Ray actually is interesting because he actually played with Matt Bushman. Like, Matt Bushman is not that old. Like, he just, you know, he's not that far removed from his playing days. Um, And so he actually knew – um Knew Robbie Ray from playing with him. So, um, so that relationship with the player and the coaches grew. And essentially, you know, what it comes down to from a, the pitching coach's point of view is if you need to make adjustments, um, first you got to build trust. So Pete Walker talked to me a lot about. You know, you don't just sit a player down and shove all this ideas down his throat. You don't say you got to do this, this, this. You don't you don't tell a player who's new to your organization like what he has to do. Essentially, you got to you got to get, get to know him. You have to know his history. You have to ask him what he's tried, what he's um, what's worked for him, what hasn't worked for him. Like, you know, have, has he tried this before? Has he tried this before? You really get to know him. Um, and then you slowly just start to form a relationship You um, build trust. And then once you build that trust, once you start forming that relationship, that's when you can, um, that's when players feel more comfortable when you go to them and say, okay, let's try this. And I think I got the sense from Robbie Ray as that the Blue Jays are never really um, telling a guy what to do. They're not just, you know, it's it's not an ultimatum, you know, it's like, it's kind of easy. It's kind of like, let's try this. We think this will work. Here's the numbers to back it up. And, And that's another thing that they kind of pointed out is that if the pitchers want to see all the numbers, they will provide that with them. If they're not a big numbers guy, Robbie Ray told me he's not a big data guy. He actually t- told me he's like more visual. So like he likes heat maps and stuff. He doesn't really like to dig into the numbers. So he's the type of guys like, just show me a heat map and tell me where my pitches should go. I don't need to see the numbers. But the, the thing about the blue Jays um, is that it's all a very individualized approach. So whatever any different pitcher needs, um, the pitching pitching coaches will provide for them.
1: I think it's really um, it's really telling to me because there's a couple different things that, that I thought about when you were when you were describing the the story in these interviews. Which is the thing with Robbie Ray is it's almost like a golf term you call them swing thoughts. Where if you're standing over the ball and you are thinking about, okay, I got to make sure I keep my right my left arm straight, and then I got to make well, I'm gonna make sure I can try to lay it off the top. And you've, if you're overly technical when you're standing over the ball, you're not gonna make a successful swing or the chances of having a successful swing are limited and if you're Robbie Ray and you've been really struggling and then you have got a thousand pieces of pitching coach information in your ears as he said where it's like okay make sure you're really driving off the mound and don't want to lose your lower half but also do you know make sure you're falling over to the whatever all the little micro adjustments that that a big league pitcher can make the ability to a just communicate that clearly is huge the other thing is I think that by by telling this story and really including Matt Bushman, as well as the analytics team, it, it makes it clear that this is like a Blue Jays thing, where it's easy to heap the credit to, on, on Pete Walker, because I'm sure that he deserves a lot. He's the guy with the name on the door of pitching coach. but. This is obviously a collaborative approach and it's obviously not just one guy because we've seen a million different times the kind of the cult that forms around some kind of pitching guru it used to be Don Cooper, uh, with the White Sox, who was great about keeping guys healthy. And there was something magical about his ability to keep people healthy. And then it sort of went away. And then it was Ray Searage, you know, with the, with the Pirates where they would bring players in and they would say, Oh, you, you know, Jay Happ and who, however, countless others that they fixed. Um, and then it sort of goes away and the shine comes off the diamond a little bit. So the idea, and it's it's truthfully, it's a kind of a depressing corporate, very corporate idea, in terms of the Blue Jays are building a system such that if Pete Walker gets a new job, they feel they'll probably feel confident that they can continue to develop good pitchers. They can find guys who who fit their profile or that they know that they can make things work work. And you've got some good details in the story about Daniel Hudson where it's that marriage of video and 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 data and also the ability to communicate those things and put those things together with if it's the biokinetics or whatever else where Daniel Hudson wasn't firing with his backside enough and you mentioned in the story which was causing which lowered his release point which reduced his spin rate which made him that much more hittable and and, and any one of those things al- along the way maybe you could notice like oh his spin rates or his release points lower so can you get that back up but all those things together, as well as the ability to communicate it to the pitcher, I think I think is, is really key. And again, that's the sort of thing that takes a village. It takes a, it takes a, a whole bunch of, of of smart people working collaboratively to be able to communicate that to a player who who needs to hear it in a certain way. And if they're able to say, Robbie Ray doesn't like numbers, so let's give him heat maps. Let's this is a video guy. This is not a video guy. Whoever and whatever it is, that to me is a really interesting part not th- not the really interesting part but a really interesting aspect of this
2: yeah i think like one of the main takeaways like you're mentioning there is how collaborative it is and you're right like it does start at I mean, it, it involves all different levels. Like, obviously, the front office is involved. They're the ones that are making the deals for these players. The research and um, development department is involved. The analytics team, like, they are digging into the numbers, and they will build, like, a package or a really deep dive for the pitching coaches to look at. And then Matt Bushman and, and Pete Walker will go away, and they will dig into the numbers and the video, and, and they will do their own kind of, like, personal assessment, how they like to look into guys. You know, Pete, Mike Walker might like to call some pitching coaches he knows around the league and ask about guys. So they do a really deep dive, but it's a collaborative effort. And then they come together and they sometimes they agree right away what should happen with this player. Sometimes they disagree. Um, you know, Matt Bushman and uh, told me that even if they they come at it at a different um, direction, um, they generally get to the same page. And if they don't, they kind of work. Um, they work through it. And and the nice thing about them is I could really tell talking to them is that they do really get along. They learn from each other. And that's, you know, you were saying that um, – you wonder if there is that situation where they are kind of like grooming Matt Bushman to one day be a pitching coach, right? Like you typically like the, um, the bullpen coach is is the first step and then you can eventually get promoted to a pitching coach. So that would be like the step up and, and, you know, Bush, Matt Bushman was, um, you know, couldn't say enough good things about just how much he's learned from Pete Walker. Like he was saying to me that his, um, you know, in his early coaching days, his preference was just kind of to lean on things. He knows, like he knows numbers, he knows data. So he kind of leaned in that cause he just felt comfortable in that space. And what he really learned from Pete is like how you combine the human aspect of it, how you, m- how you form relationships, how, how important relationships are. And what Matt Bushman made the point to me is that he learned that like, When you do have an idea, it's so much easier to bring to a pitcher when you have a relationship with him. So he was saying he's really lucky because obviously as a bullpen coach, you sit down there for three hours a game with your your reliever. So with them, he's built really good relationships. And, you know, the other point was just like the – how they complement each other. I think like you, you were saying like, it's just like Matt Bushman data guy. And, and Pete has that experience. He's that like baseball lifer. So he's got that like gut feel. And so I think like my sort of like conclusion of the story or what I came away with thinking is just like, you know, why the Blue Jays are so confident in in these two is just like, they just work really well together. Um, They seem to have a really good flow. They seem to have a really good system. Um, They've really tapped into how to connect with pitchers really well. And some of it just might be like, you know, their personalities. I think the pitchers told me that, you know, they can, they feel like they're their friends, you know, they don't necessarily feel like it's a a player coach relationship. So I think, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a big takeaway. It's just like, As much as, as much as baseball is about looking at numbers and about looking at data and really diving in and making changes and making adjustments and everything, but it also just does come down to like being a human being and, and, um, connecting with people and just wanting to see people succeed. And, and that was probably like the other main takeaway is that the Blue Jays, um, talking to these coaches, you know, immediately when a guy comes into the the fold for the Blue Jays, they want him to be their best. Like they take it to heart. You know, they really want to do everything they can. Um, I think Pete used the quote, something like leave no stone unturned, essentially. So they really look to um, they really look to help guys. And obviously it doesn't work out every time. And it remains to be seen what's going to happen with um, Ray and Matt. Obviously, um, Ray. Had some mixed results last year, but he liked enough of what he saw in that he obviously wanted to come back and he really wanted to sort of see where this relationship could take him. And early spring results, I think he um, a couple days ago, he started and he threw like 24 of 26 pitches were strikes, which for Robbie Ray, that's that's something that, um, it's probably music to blue Jays fans ears. Just so that's been, that's been, um, you know, and, and, and Matt's had a good start as well. I think he also, I don't know. Um, I don't have the numbers off hand, but he also had a pretty good start as well. So yeah, it remains to be seen, but yeah, my, my biggest takeaway was just, it was really interesting to go into the process. And in some ways it's really, really complicated. Like, and obviously the blue Jays weren't going to tell me like the state secrets. They weren't going to say, this is what we did with Ray. And this is what, and this is why it's going to work. But um. My big takeaway is just that that it is a complicated process, but when you pull back, it really is. It's just about getting to know players, um, looking at things a slightly different way, and just you know, and just kind of collaborative work and and um, and and uh, seeing how that pans out. I guess
1: it really seems like it's all a lot about buy-in, getting you know, when the when they individually or when they collectively as a as a pitching uh, team are able to 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 sell the idea to each other, then they're that much easier to then sell the idea to, to the player. And I think, like you said, building those relationships, getting that buy in from 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 those players will um will go a long way. I think the other the interesting thing for me will be to see if they're able to develop a like a hitter's version of this because they haven't, you know, in their, especially you know in the well in the in the time with with Ross Atkins and 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 um. And Mark Shapiro in charge. They've definitely picked up a, lo- a quite a few different projects where, with skilled players who who maybe haven't quite met their you know uh, hit their stride or, or achieved to the the upper out um, likelihood of their outcomes, uh, where maybe in you know in a player development sense. Some of the younger players, maybe Cavabigio is an example of a player who sort of overachieved and, and that's, that's almost like the model, a player who didn't, doesn't have the, the flashiest tools or a player that they're able to, to really unlock what it is that he can do. Uh, Randall Grichick again, same sort of thing where it was like, there's a lot of tantalizing tools there, but have they really been able to unlock them? I mean, Teoscar it's had two great months in, uh, in 2020, which is, which is exciting, but still a lot, a lot remains to be seen if he's a new player. So while the pitching, On the pitching side, they do have a lot of kind of successes and wins in this department. I don't know that they necessarily have the same sort of track record and and are still sort of trying to figure out how they can make it work with some of the position players,
2: in my mind. Yeah, and I think that it's we haven't seen it yet whether it will pan out or not because I think like last year um, when they brought in Dante Bichette – And he was kind of working with Guillermo Martinez and, you know, at different points of the season last year every player was raving about his work with Dante or what Dante had taught them. And then, you know, also what uh, Dante also talked a lot about working with Guillermo and um and their kind of approach to it and how they really complemented each other as well. Obviously, Dante Bichette is taking a step back this year. He's not going to be um, a major league coach with them. He's still like on, he's on staff, but in a like a special advisor role or special assistant role or something like that. So he's around at spring. But, uh, you know, even like a couple days ago, Ago, T Oscar Hernandez did a, a zoom with us and he did mention, um, the, you know, this approach that he had last year and being more patient, um, you know, m- sort of simplifying that two strike approach of his, um, you know, gaining confidence and all that kind of stuff. And he did credit, like his work with like Guillermo and, um, Dante for that. And so I think that um, whatever they were able to do last season, whether they were a- able to make some inroads with those hitters, um, it, there just like, wasn't enough time to really see. And even like with Robbie Ray to go back to the pitching, like there's just wasn't, there was like, I don't even know how he made a handful of starts and then he looked, you know, okay. in that playoff appearance that he made, he looked but- great in that
1: playoff appearance that he made and, and he, he <laughs> and, and he thankfully, uh, Changed the narrative a little bit because obviously that was like the Matt Shoemaker game. Yeah. Right. So he pitched so well that people weren't talking about it nearly as much as they easily could have been. Like if he, if it had been, for example, the seventh game of the world series and it cost you your whole team the season. But anyway.
2: Yeah. So just like, just the runway isn't quite there yet. So I Mm -hmm. think like we could come, we could circle back to this conversation um, at the end of this season. And if some of those players that you mentioned um, do show that consistency do are, are showing that whatever changes they made to their approach has paid off. Like Randall Grichuk is the same way. Like he obviously took a lot away from last season, and he he was a different hitter. He obviously was still a little bit up and down, but he looked like at different parts of the season he looked like a different hitter. So whether they can take that into the season, whether they can have consistent years, I think then we can sort of start to make a judgment about whether or not the blue jays have something on on the hitting side obviously that's kind of the aim right like they're not they're not going to invest all this in their pitching and not do it on the hitting side but we just haven't seen enough we haven't seen enough of these mm-hmm. players and and a lot of them are quite young still too
1: no yeah you, but you're right the, the pitching track record really speaks for itself especially when it comes to to some of the relief pitchers you know kind of scrappy type of guys uh, you know they've built a lot of competent bullpens even when the team wasn't wasn't great uh, you know they went from from finding the uh, a group that had a bunch of guys with different looks, different arm angles, different approaches, different different arsenals um to to having um this this sort of very young uh, group that that's in place now that you know it it takes talent to win, but obviously player development there's no substitute for player development for for the ability to optimize the talent that the players have to get the most out of it and to um again to get them to buy in and and invest in their own. Career and their own success, and you know, I think in, in in baseball terms, it often it's often about getting guys paid. So if 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 the Blue Jays player development team can start to get some guys paid, then there's a, then there'll be a lot of buy in from all over the organization. You know, I would love for us to get into the Mickey calloway thing a little bit, but but I don't know that we have time. We've been going on. This is already a long show. This show this this podcast is probably going to end up longer than the average. Four and a half inning Blue Jays game, which is a real, which is a real shame. But I think that maybe we should put a pin in it. We can come back and talk about the Mickey Calloway thing. You know, Ross Atkins and, and Mark Shapiro, um, their relative levels of culpability, their le- le- relative levels of, um, or their proximity to the story. Um, they're pretty close to, to some of it. And there was a, there were a lot of, uh, quotes that came out of, of Atkins that he gave, uh, kind of character recommendations of Mickey Calloway that, that, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, uh, I don't know how well they, or how well or how poorly they reflect on, on Atkins and Shapiro. It's, I, I just, it, it's something that has the potential to stick to them a little bit, I think, as the, as uh, the, the athletic story that came out this week that, um, was it, uh, well, it was, the, the names was a Brit, uh, Brit, I can't remember how to pronounce her last name do you drolly and was it Katie Strang was that the Katie other Strang, yeah. yeah so so uh you know just a, another uh, series of of um of a very serious allegations very you know I believe they interviewed 22 different people talking about the worst case the worst kept secret in baseball so let's talk about that next time Caitlin are you okay with that
2: yeah I believe that we'll be hearing from Ross Atkins in the near future. So probably by the next week we do another podcast, we'll have more to like say about it.
1: That's a great, a great transition. This is, this is a segue to end all segues because we do do this podcast right now once a week, but maybe we'll do it more. This is of course the podcast called spin rate. And as I mentioned off the top, if you haven't subscribed, you should do that. You should subscribe on Spotify Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever else. And as I said at the top again, you should go to theathletic.com slash spin rate to subscribe. So you can read Caitlin's story that we just talked about. You can read Brit and Katie Strang's story about Mickey Calloway. You can read everything that Matt Gelb writes. I think you should do that. I think you should do all those things. But in the meantime, I want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope you follow Caitlin on Twitter You follow me on Twitter. And, uh, you know, broadcasted Blue Jays games are coming in one form or another so we just have to be a little bit patient right Caitlin
2: yes patience
1: yes patience she says all right for Caitlin my name is Drew Fair service we'll talk to you next time on spin around